It's the Craggy Rugby Podcast. It's the pre-card of away edition. I'm Alan Deegan, and on the line I've got William Davis. Hi, William. Good evening, Alan. This is a huge game, William. They're a point behind us in the standings. They've beaten us at home already this season. Revenge is required. Yeah, they weren't really running with that story today at the press conference. I did bring it up a couple of times. Um, but it is it is a big game. I think the next two games are huge. Uh, they're in-conference games and while four points in any game or five points if you get a bonus is fantastic in the conferences the way you have to look at it is if you can beat sides that are below you that's a that's an that gives you that that win has an extra something Mm. we don't fully understand how it's going to work out yet because it's all very new to everybody but our conference is shaping up that if you finish fifth, you could well be in a playoff for Europe. I think the Cheetahs are very strong favourites to finish in the top four. Uh, if they were to finish third, the team that finishes fourth will go straight into the Champions Cup next year, and the team that finishes fifth would go into the, the playoff. Connacht want to finish in the top three, of course, but there's also a lot going on about positioning yourself and these these next two games which is the start of a nine game sequence six of which are away from home um it, it's a very interesting part of the season it certainly is so today we had uh, defensive coach peter wilkins and jack carty was sitting beside him i believe he was indeed so let's have a listen to what they had to say Peter, uh, going back to the to the, the last game, which seems quite a long time ago now, but only a couple of weeks. Uh, Kieran was uh, pretty upset with the performance, and he talked about the following week as being very important. So, how did that week go in terms of training? That wasn't for a specific match; it was more to do with. I think he wanted to change some of the things they were doing again. Yeah, I think it was. We did train the the week following the cheetahs. Um, a lot of clubs obviously take that as a as a down week. We we trained for that week and then took the following week as as our down week. Part of that was actually planned in advance, um, and the reason for that there's a real danger, as as you guys would be aware, that uh, games immediately preceding a bye or or something of a break um, can be real banana skins because as you know, as much as you you talk about avoiding it, there's a there's a bit of an end of term feeling or you know a, a last night of term feeling. So. Um, we flagged that early as, as a potential banana skin, so we wanted to make sure that for the staff, for the players, um, that we all felt that it wasn't the end of a block. The end of the block was the end of the following week's training. So Cheetahs had our full focus. Um, we, we came in on the Monday and, and reviewed the game as we normally would. We had a really positive training week. Um, you know, sort of spent some quality time together as a group off the field as well. Um, so that was always in the plan, and, and I said a lot of that was cheetah specific to make sure that, that everyone was well focused and it didn't feel like um, too much like the end of a block at that stage. Um, you know, that said, you know, KK expressed his thoughts after that game, and as um, you know, we've probably alluded to since, there wasn't anything he said in his press conference that he hadn't already said to the players in the dressing room or that we talked about in the coaches' box. And um, you know, he was uh, he was probably more positive. Following that, um, but it, you know, I think it's a reflection of the high standards that we're trying to set. That um, you know, it's great that we're already at a stage after ten games of the season where we can win a game and um, and still feel like we could have done better. So, you know, probably more a reflection of, of the standards we're trying to set than making sure that it's our performances that, that judge our reaction to games rather than rather than just the scoreline. 
talking about a, a block now, though, you're going into a, a, a nine-game block. Um, it's European and Pro 14. There's only three home games, there's six away games. Mm. So it's... Are you sort of... Was that week setting up for this as a specific block, or are you are you breaking it down into individual? You're obviously breaking it down into individual games, but are you actually thinking further into, it's say into January, how mm. you'll be set up then with? It is. It's a massive block for us, and, and I suppose we want to sit in, in three segments. We've got um, Cardiff and, and Zebra, you know, first up, which um, you know, stating the obvious, that both those games will have a, an enormous impact on our league position in, in the conference. Um, it's a chance for us to put some distance between the top four of our conference and, and those guys below us and, and those teams obviously immediately below us at this point. So context of the league, it's, it's an enormous two weeks coming up. Uh, brief back-to-back will be, um, be a really exciting challenge and you know, that'll shape where we sit in terms of the Challenge Cup moving forward. It'll set the tone for, for how we approach that competition for the rest of the year and then obviously the Interpros to follow. So, um, so this nine-game block is, is important, but, but you know, sort of three different elements that make up the context of that. So we're really excited. That extra week's training, yes, like we, we were putting things in place around attack shape, around defence shape. Um, it's, it's nice to have that period to actually work on improving ourselves, as you said, without necessarily a, a particular game at the end of that week that we've got to, um, got to prepare for. So you know, we feel like we're in a good space in, in terms of looking ahead to this, this next block. And this re- really will determine, it won't completely determine the outcome of the season, but you'll have a very good idea at the end of it where the season or where the rest of the season goes when you're back in February. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's still obviously important games to come in, in that back third of the season, but um, but the work we do in the next fortnight and, and then across those two European Challenge Cup games will have a huge impact on where we sit in both competitions and um, and will really set the tone for, for how we can... You know, I suppose where we're sitting going into those three interpros, which you know, again, stating the obvious, but there'll, there'll be massive occasions of each one of them in a different way. So, um, so yeah, it'll have significant bearing on our season, and um, you know, we're we're not hiding from that. We, I think, players and staff are really excited about that. It's, it's a great opportunity. Uh, Cardiff at the weekend uh, on their rather peculiar artificial pitch, um, which has vagaries that I that are seem to be unique to it. Um, what are you expecting from them? They've they've had a rough enough start to the season. They have. They they've um, they've been um, you know they've they've been a bit up and down. I think when they've uh, when they've had their their good patches, I think they've played some outstanding rugby. Um, they're a good counter attacking team. Um, they're hard over the ball in defence, which gives them opportunities to attack our ruck and give themselves counter attack platforms. Um, they've got some really exciting backs um, in, in the back three and in the midfield. Uh, depending on who's available, so you know they're there to play, and, and particularly down there, um, down there in Cardiff on that plastic pitch, it speeds up the pace of the game. It gives them even more opportunity to run at us. So um, terrific challenge for us defensively, but but equally great for us. You know, as, as you know, KK prays for sunny and dry days uh, for for the sake of our attack, and you know, regardless of the weather, we're going down there knowing that we'll have a really good track and a fast track that, that these guys can have a real crack on as well. So, you know, they'll have home advantage, but but it's also a surface I think will really suit the way we like to play. And Connacht owe them one after what they did in September. We certainly do. No, that's you know it's at the back of our minds. We haven't, haven't referenced it too much this week, but um, but it'll certainly you know come into discussions as we go around the defence. And uh, you know, ironically, it was a game. If you look at us statistically from from the data that we gather, it was one of our best performances of the season in terms of our physicality, uh, winning defensive game line against them, sixteen turnovers we forced in the game. Like there was a lot of good in there, but a couple of key moments where 
where we let them off the hook. Um, that tacked onto the first half where we, we played with the wind and probably didn't manage the game brilliantly or, or quite as well as we'd like. Um, so we feel that it was a disappointing day, but there's a huge amount that was controllable about it. So in terms of how we approach this, um, yeah, that'll come into it. And, and I think generally we feel we're a team that's a lot further down the track. That was um, you know, in the early stage of the season. We're sort of finding our rhythm a bit now, attack and defence. Um, so, so we can't wait. We can't wait for the opportunity. Jack, how did, uh, how did you find that week immediately after the Cheetahs game? Because it, it is unusual, I think. I certainly found it unusual for a coach to be so uh, downbeat having won four games in a row and that, and that performance. But did that, is that just all about the levels that are now expected? Yeah, exactly. Um, I suppose, as Peter alluded to Anton, that KK, I suppose, would say to be said to us. Um, I think it's about where performances have been at the start of the season. And you can see the the constant high standards that we'd probably have in training. It's maybe not always been there, but it has um, gone to the results on the pitch. So I think it's important that the fact um, that we don't probably rest in our laurels. Um, I think a couple of years ago, um, probably before Pat, we would have been happy scraping wins, even if a performance wasn't there. But it kind of probably shows how the place has come, where it has come to that we're actually stri- uh, striving for them high standards in performance, but not only um, with wins. And is there any peculiarity with, with the pitch in Cardiff? Do you have to set up differently, especially for attacking, kicking? Because it seems to be so easy for the ball to just Yeah, the bounce, of the, the, bounce of the ball is um, a big one. We, haven't, we probably really haven't talked about it. We trained on um, up in Merview Mur- yesterday, which was um, good for the lads to get onto. Um, I think a lot of the lads would be looking, looking worried about their knees and their elbows. But uh, mm-hmm. probably the, the bounce of the ball is probably the, the main thing. And then um, probably when the ball is sitting on the tee, it'll probably be a bit higher than usual. So it's probably something that we'll just have to, maybe get, when we're doing captain's run, probably spend a bit extra there. So we um, had a run on it when we were playing the Dragons. We did our captain's run there. So And obviously we've been playing there for the last couple of years. We had a good win there last year. So um, something we're used to, but it's something you just have to be kind of aware of when you're down there as well. And will, at some stage, somebody say we owe these guys one after September? Because I haven't seen a Connacht... Uh, the team came off that day, they looked absolutely disgusted with what had happened. Yeah, um, it was it was a disappointing day. Um, obviously, we probably had the, we thought we had the win in the bag, um, and then it kind of had to be cruelly taken from us. But, um, as Pete says, it hasn't been something that we has been brought up. Um, I hadn't thought of it until until you said it there, so it was, it's maybe a good thing that we're thinking about it. But it wouldn't be a case of looking for a revenge or that. We'll kind of focus on what we can control and then probably try to nullify their, their strengths that they have. OK, and we're back. That was Peter Wilkins and Jack Carty. Um, and they, they seem fairly upbeat, William. Yeah, they did. Um, obviously... There had to be a reference back to the last press conference which we had where uh, uh, Kieran Kane was pretty scathing about the Connacht performance, even though they beat the Cheetahs at home to record their fourth win in a row. Um, I think he pulled everybody up a little bit short by that. I think it surprised people. It certainly surprised me sitting beside him interviewing him. But I think that the penny has, has dropped with all of us now that it's about setting a standard. And he doesn't accept that you can play really well one week against Munster and then step back and not play to the same standard and at the same levels that you've set. 
So I don't think anybody's in any doubt now what's required. They've had this week's uh, training, which took place when nearly everybody else was off uh, on their week off. And I think they feel that, particularly Peter Wilkins said that there was a, it was slightly different. They were covering different things because they weren't training with a specific team in mind. This week, of course, they're getting ready to play Cardiff. And um, they weren't particularly concerned, I think, about the fact that Cardiff stole, if you want to use that <laughs> word, uh, a, a win here in um, earlier in the season. But that must be in, played on play, uh, people's mind, players' minds. And let's face it, our record against Cardiff isn't too hectic. They seem to have a way of beating us quite regularly. Um, yeah, yeah, just, 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 you know, I just did a quick couple of stats on that, and I like to do sort of the last five years, and then I like to look at the overall. In the last five years in Cardiff, we've won two and lost three. Prior to that, we'd won one and lost nine. So the Pat Lam era did, did, as with nearly every team in the Pat Lam era, improved our record, but we still struggle. We also managed to get losing bonus points on a regular basis over there. Yeah, they're often tight games. Are both of those wins on the artificial, or are yes. uh, is one? Yeah, because we we talked about that. No, sorry, today. no, sorry. The first one wasn't. The first one was uh, I think it was the last game that wasn't on the artificial, and then yeah, the last season was our first win on artificial turf. Yeah, because it's a, it is. A, I think it's a very look. We see artificial pitches. We had one a semi-artificial in Geneva. We've seen them at uh, Saracens. Newcastle. They're going to become more Newcastle. Glasgow. They're going to become more more common. But the one in Cardiff is peculiar mm. um, and I think when we're we're probably talking about this more on Friday night when I'm when I'm commentating with Rob the, when you're kicking uh, attack kicking if you get it even slightly wrong that ball just flies along and it goes dead so you've got to really judge your kick and defensively Cardiff tend to play right up mm. so there is space in behind but they're almost tempting you to have a go at it. And when you're defending the kicks, your fullback, your wingers, whoever's coming onto the ball, has to be ultra careful. If you've got time, you're almost maybe better to put your foot on it like, a, like trapping a soccer ball. Yeah. Because the, the bounce seems to be, the first bounce seems to stop and bounce up in the air. And then when it hits this thing again, it starts rolling. It's... It's it was, yeah. I, I was over there in, in, I think it was March time, I don't know, February, February, I was over there with, you know, doing it. It's, it's your turn to hit Cardiff this time. Um, and hopefully you, you won't get a, a, a speed, or a, a speed, it wasn't a speeding fine, I got a, a fine for driving on you a bus driving lane. Driving in a bus lane, Alan. <laughs> I didn't realise. Sunday morning, there wasn't a soul around, still got caught for it. But, um, yeah, there, there was that strange bounce of the ball and it took our guys quite a while to figure it out. But once they did, Jack, I think Jack Carty definitely got to grips with it and, and was able to pin Cardiff back in the second half especially. Um, so hopefully he'll he'll feel somewhat more confident playing on that pitch. Absolutely, and it also does allow your uh, somebody like Niyadi Alok and I can see him really enjoying the opportunity on it. It's, you know, it's, it, it suits players with a bit of speed. Mm. And it suits players who have a little bit of a trick in their feet because players, when you turn or maybe, you know, uh, try to sidestep, you, the, the, you can often finish up sitting on your uh, backside because it can be quite slippy. 
Yeah. So it, it just adds to it, but it, it, it is part of it. Um, Connacht actually trained there uh, when they were over for the game against the Dragons uh, in the earlier part of the season. They had their captains run actually in Cardiff oh, just right. to have a, a further experience of the, uh, of the ground. Um, it didn't help them much against the Dragons, so hopefully they've learned something <laughs> that they can bring into the, the match on Friday night. Yes, and of course, like you know, the fact that it's in the middle of the international window for November means that you know we're missing three players, but Cardiff are missing five at our six, I believe. I think it's four to Car- four to Wales, but they've also lost um, Blaine Scully to the United States and Ray Lilo to Samoa, so they're they're missing quite a few. But having said that, I believe Gareth Anscombe is on his way back, and um, he's had a decent record against us. Yeah, look, they're always a strong side at home. Um, and they're a side that we struggle against. You've just given the the, the, the statistics there, but I'm hopeful of, of, of a decent performance from Connacht. I mean, our injury list is uh, not too bad. We we talk about that in, in detail in a, in a couple of minutes. So it's a big opportunity. It's the start of a really serious section of games, this, this pod of games, of nine games. The end of this, we're going to know where we are in Europe and where we are in the Pro 14. And the rest of the season will then stretch out from what happens in these games. And the start with a win and a side that are right up against you in the conference is absolutely vital. I, I would say this is a must-win game. I'd, I'd agree with you there. And, you know, just talking, as you, you mentioned, we might as well move on to the, the injury list. Like it, It's not as bad as it normally is at this stage of the year, is it? No, compared to some of the uh, situations, I think... Uh, did Matt Healy have to play at scrum half in a game in Cardiff? He did, yeah. A co- couple of years ago when, when, when there was a really severe stretch. Um, I'll just run through it in positions. In, in the props, uh, JP Cooney has returned to training following his ankle injury. Dominic Robertson-McCoy is still rehabbing after his thumb surgery and will be out of action until January. Uh, Locks Gavin Thornbury has reintegrated fully after his uh, calf injury against the Cheetahs. Mm-hmm. Andrew Brown still rehabilitating from Achilles surgery and will be out of action till early in the new year. That that seems uh, to have moved out a little bit. I thought he was meant to come back in slightly earlier, but it looks as though they've moved it out. Yeah, I mean, I think I think they didn't want to go to surgery for Andrew. I think right. he said that himself. Um, but it, it, it's that was the only option they were given. Mm-hmm. Um, in the back rows, uh, Owen McKeown is fully integrated back into training after his hamstring injury. Jake Heenan has integrated fully back. Uh, James Conley is progressing well from an ankle injury, and he'll be returning soon. Jared Butler is continuing his recovering from knee surgery and is to return in early December. Um, he's probably the standout player so far this season. I'd agree. Yeah, yeah, yep. definitely. He's like he 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 was immense against Munster. I think a lot of people suddenly had their eyes opened to the quality that we'd seen, sort of in the background. But he really exploded in that game. Uh, Sean O'Brien is recovering following shoulder surgery. Um, he made a, a very explosive start to the season. Um, so there's a lot of players in that situation. In the centres, Owen Griffin has returned fully to training after his calf injury. Craig Ronaldson is recovering and will return to training in December. And of course, we're nearly in December now. Peter Robb is due back in December, uh, having had surgery. And in the back three, Stacey Ely has had shoulder injury and will return in early December. Cormac Brennan will return in early 2018. 
and we'll pass on our best wishes to Rory Scholes who had his appendix removed last week and will be out of action for a number of weeks so there's, there's, the, the good news in that list Alan is that people our players are coming back mm. it isn't just a list of injured players that's being added to there's obviously um, guys that are still rehabbing but there's actually people coming back into the system and with the number of games and without repeating myself but I am going to it's <laughs> nine games nine weeks you, you need as many fit ready to go you're, you're, because players are going to get injured they're going to get tired they're going to need a break so the more that you can have ready the better I agree I agree and and we're coming near the end of the, the podcast now at this stage because we like to keep these ones pretty short but we might as well have a quick chat about the, the November internationals and, and how they're going and how you thought that both Kieran Marmion and, and Ulton Delan did at the weekend of course we're, we've got our Connacht hats on when we're watching these games yeah, we certainly have. Um, yeah, I suppose it was a bit of a fallback from the South Africa game. Um, when you beat a Southern Hemisphere side 38-3, um, th- th- it's very hard to find fault with that. Exactly. T- totally different side against Fiji. Um, Fiji are getting better as a 15-a-side team. They're, they're coming with more structure, but they can they still do things that you don't expect. And they're huge. They are massive men. I've spoken to a couple of people who were at the game and they said it's quite staggering when you see. And they're quick. Yeah. Um, yeah, Danny, Danny, my son, Danny was up in Dublin and he got to do a, a, a training run with them on the Thursday beforehand and got a picture with uh, Nadolo afterwards. And, and uh, he said, Danny said he just couldn't believe how fast guys of that size could move. He said he, he did get chatting to the defensive coach who said that... Um, Loves the guys, they are fabulous guys, but they just don't want to do structured defence. <laughs> they just want to hit people. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it, is, it is quite freestyle. It's worth noting that Fiji and Tonga have made the Rugby League World Cup semi-finals. Mm. Um, Fiji turning over New Zealand um, 4-2, must have been a, a tight old game. Um, so that's going to be a slight challenge I think going forward on the comic players um, I'm not I don't think Alton Delan is, is at his absolute best at the moment mm. uh, I can't quite put my finger on it I'd be interested I'd be interested to know what he thinks himself I mean th- these guys set such high standards and the standards that are set for them both with Connacht and then they go to Ireland uh, I just don't think he's quite at his best, but he's a young man with a, with a, with a great future in front of him. Uh, I thought Kieran Marmion had an in-and-out sort of a game, but I think it was a very tough game. Um, Ireland didn't dominate the scrum, which most sides aim to do against Fiji because they don't particularly get into the intricacies of scrumming. And the Irish back row had a tough day, and therefore your scrum half is always going to be under pressure. And he's also got a very inexperienced, although potentially very high quality out half in uh, Joey Carberry outside him. So it was it was a tough day at the office all round for Ireland from 17-3 ahead to finish up winning by uh, a penalty. And f- well done to Ian Keatley for kicking both of those. They weren't difficult kicks, but he had to come on and do the job when uh, when Carberry went off. They're a, they're, a, they're, they're a wonderful side to, to watch Fiji. 
mm. because they're just so unexpected. Um, one of the best rugby games I've ever been at was in Nantes when they beat Wales in the 2007 World Cup. Oh, um, that was a great game, Which yeah. was an absolutely phenomenal game of rugby. Um, but totally bonkers. But sometimes you need that. You need a game that isn't completely dominated by pre-planning. Yeah, um, yeah. Because one of the things that was annoying me once we went seventeen three up, the the crowd started doing a Mexican wave. I like I got very annoyed at that. Like it's one of the reasons I won't go to internationals because there's there's too many people there want to be entertained and are not actually doing the supporting that you know is required and should be required. But then I'm just a bit of a, a rugby snob, so <laughs> you're a bit of an old curmudgeon, Alan. I am. I am. Yeah, I, am. I, I must. I must admit, I I saw that and I I uttered a few words under my breath here, <laughs> which I won't repeat. You know, one of the one of the bright sparks from an Ireland point of view, apart from his broken wrist, was Joey Carberry, who who looked really good in that early stages, and and even when the the game sort of got on top of him a little bit, he still he still had that touch of class about him. But um, you voiced it, and I know Eddie O'Sullivan has agreed with you that he needs to play ten more often. Yeah, well, I I just watched up a few people. <laughs> I said, you know. Um Maybe he needs to be uh, just to be sent somewhere. I, I mean, look, the World Cup is is on the horizon and it's getting closer every game. Uh, he looks the the, the natural uh, backup to Johnny Sexton, mm-hmm. who will have to be wrapped in cotton wool. Yep. But he can play the fullback. He can't learn how to play out half by playing a fullback. There's 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 no comparison. So it'll be interesting to see now whether. Ireland are prepared, or David Nusifora or Joe Schmidt are really prepared to get involved in this. If you're serious about going to a World Cup and you want to do as well as you can, you need as many players in your squad at the highest level. You're going to get injuries. You're going to get. That's what crippled us the last time. Exactly. By the time we came to play Argentina, we were we were short of players. Yep. So it's a big call. It is. I, I, are, you, are you hearing anything about the fact that, you know, the most obvious place that fits would be Ulster because they're going to lose uh, Leofano at Christmas time or just after Christmas and, and they'll be without a, a top class out half? Uh, that certainly is, is a possibility. Um, how, how, potent, how high the potential of that happens is, I don't know, but you can't, you simply can't with a young player playing completely out of position uh, week in, week out for his uh, provincial side and then expect him to be ready to go as the backup out half in the Six Nations. And maybe you might even want to start him in one of the Six Nations games because, you know, um, Johnny Sexton needs to be wrapped in cotton wool a bit. He does, yeah. That's another job. But it's not fair to him. To, to do that so how you get around that I don't know how you you can't Leinster will obviously play him at out half if uh, Sexton isn't available you would think no but they haven't been this is the point they've been playing Ross Byrne well they they have their reasons um, so well, I think I, I think Ross Byrne is, is, is probably a better game manager he's certainly a lot more conservative than than Carberry who's who's much more of a um, he's a Carlos Spencer style <laughs> player so you know maybe they, they prefer the, the control that that they get with um yeah. burn so it's, 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 it's possible but that look it would be wonderful to, to, to be a fly on the wall and 
be involved in these sorts of meetings and see what gets said and how it gets worked out because there's stuff going on all the time. Um, quite interesting today, Peter Wilkins um, briefly touched on the fact that he'd spent a couple of days with Ireland um, last week and he'd also spent some time with Australia where he had worked with the Queensland Reds so he would have known most of the Australian team. Mm. He just went over to have a look at what they were at defensively or see how they set things up. And this stuff is always going on in the background, but we don't get to hear about it enough. Uh, and it's very interesting because you want people to be constantly trying to improve. Yeah. And, to, you know, it's, it's an education thing to go into that setup. It's more obvious, obviously, to go and see what Ireland are up to because you're... You're dealing with potential Ireland players all the time in your provincial. But it must have been interesting as well to just to see what Australia were doing. Um, You're off to Wales with Rob on Friday night to Angola Bay. Absolutely. And L- 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 Lindley McKenzie, our colleague from the, the Irish Times and the Galway Advertiser, will be joining us and, on the pre-match uh, programme starting at about 10 past 7 on Galway Bay. And then we'll be doing a full uh, podcast and hopefully we'll be sitting around having the opportunity to chat on uh, a Connacht win well let's hope so let's hope so that's great great work tonight thanks William thanks Alan good night talk to you soon